Thank you very much. That is uh, very gracious, and I'm, I'm honored and thrilled to, to be with you again. Uh, I was here to Choice Point three years ago, and, and uh, it's just great to be back and see some of the same faces and, and to be able just to hug a few necks and, and to hang out with the well. Wow, that was, uh, I am getting older. <laughs> that is clear. But what a, what a fantastic group. Uh, so thankful to, to Matt for inviting me to come out and minister with him. I know how much he loves that group and how much he and Jenny and, and their leadership team pour into them. And so for him to invite me to come out to, to have that type of ministry with him uh, meant a lot to me. But it was fantastic to, to just spend time with them and just to see their love for the Lord, their love for the book, their love for each other. Uh, it was just refreshing. And I did learn, too, that, that God is still very much in the business of miracles. Absolutely. No doubt about it, because I watch these young people play gaga ball. <laughs> and no one got hurt. <laughs> wow. I'm thinking, man, this is, this is dicey. But uh, they got after it, and the ladies, too. I mean, they were competing. Uh, what a game. And so I, someone, I think it was Marissa, she asked me, are you going to play? I said, I'm retired. Like, <laughs> however, uh, Troy showed up, and I guess he's not retired, and he jumped in and actually won a round, right? So, absolutely. So that was, uh, but it still didn't uh, motivate me to get involved. <laughs> I'm, I, I'm done. But uh, to be here, to have some time with, with Troy and his family, to his point, we go back 25 years, a lot of miles to get, a lot of memories, great memories. I remember many, many times uh, sitting in their home at their kitchen table as a single man, and, and Jen would just love me like a, like a little brother and, uh, and just serve me and minister to me as if I was one of her kids. So uh, I've always just had a, a sweet spot in my heart for the Stocksdale family, so to be able to come out and have time with them. And then when I was here three years ago, Matt and I, uh, developed a, a relationship, a, a fellowship, and so whenever they come to Kansas City, it's not a discussion. They know where they're staying, and uh, my family, uh, we are big fans of the brochures. We just say that just because we know that no one can pronounce it, so we just say brochures, right? But, <laughs> but we, uh, we, we love the Brocker family, and of course, uh, you know the respect, the admiration I have for your pastor, uh, Jeff Bartell. Uh, what he has meant to me over the years, what he means to me over the years. Uh, I have nothing but the highest respect and admiration for him, and you are richly blessed to have him as your pastor. Let me just say that. So uh, so with that said, why don't we pray? We're going to be in Deuteronomy chapter 7 this morning. Father in heaven, we do thank you so much for the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you for your mercy and your grace and your love that has been manifested to us through him at Calvary. And Lord, we're thankful this morning as your people that we are seated in heavenly places. And we're thankful, Lord, that we have your word this morning. And we're thankful that we get to sit at your feet and hear your voice this morning. Father, we just beg you to speak to us, deal with us. Lord, you know exactly what each one of us needs to hear today and how we need to hear it and why we need to hear it. And so I do, pr I do pray, God, that when we hear you very clearly, that, God, we would receive it and run with it. Please help us this morning, Lord, for your glory. 
by your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. So we've spent the last two days um, with, with the well, uh, looking in Deuteronomy chapter 7 and verse 6 in particular, and we're going to be there again. As is the case with every book in God's Word, the book of Deuteronomy is fantastic. It's, it's my favorite book right now. Now, you ask me a month from now, I'll give you another book, but right now, uh, nothing matters but Deuteronomy because that's where I've been with the Lord. Israel, we find them here at the end of that 40-year wandering experience, and they are on the cusp of entering the promised land. So that's where we are in Deuteronomy, and we understand that that wandering was the result of unbelief and disobedience with the exception of Caleb and Joshua. We understand that the first generation would not see the land, but for the generation that would see it, God did not want them to repeat the failures of the first generation that, um, that failed, as we said, because of disobedience and unbelief. And so, listen, God not only wanted them to possess the land, here's what he wanted, as much as that. He wanted them to thrive in the land. It wasn't enough just to possess it. God says, I want them to thrive there, and there's a lesson in that for you and I in the dispensation of grace because, yes, praise the Lord that we're saved, and that is to the glory of God. He's not willing that any should perish, but what he does want is he wants us to thrive as saved people. It's what he desires, right? God saves no one only to fell in the Christian life. This is why he indwells us with his Holy Ghost. This is why he has inspired and preserved his word for us. This is why he has placed us in his body, the church. So everything that Israel needed to know to be able to not just possess the land but thrive there, God gave them in Deuteronomy. This is why when you look at some of those dreadful periods of their history, in the Old Testament, where you see them just floundering and failing and just grieving God to the core, you can trace all that back to them disregarding what God gave them in Deuteronomy. Because again, God gave them the playbook to win. And this is why you can also see why God dealt with them so firmly in some spots in the Old Testament, because God told them in Deuteronomy what would happen if they disregarded his word. But the fact that Jesus quoted from this book, as often as he did in the Gospels, it speaks to the value of it and the importance of it. It's really an invaluable book, as they all are, as they said. But I will tell you, if you really want to know how to win spiritually, I would just encourage you to spend some time here. But what we find in the first five chapters of Deuteronomy, we find Moses reviewing God's uh, history of blessing to the nation. I mean, and it's wonderful. And then beginning in chapter 6, you see Moses began to deal with them on what their response needed to be to that. This is why we read in chapter 6, a very familiar passage to us, in, beginning in verse 4. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. This was and is the right response 
to the grace and goodness of God. When you consider the grace and goodness of God, it should provoke all of us to love him with everything in us. Because look at what he's done, right? I, I tell people, listen, uh, if we want to have a conversation about contentment and learning to be content, it's fairly simple. If God never did another single thing for me, as a matter of fact, if the only thing that God ever did for me was Calvary, I would still be indebted to him for all of eternity. For all of eternity. If, if, if all he did was Calvary, but God is so good and God is so full of grace and kindness that he has richly blessed me. I, I could take this entire morning and, and try, I do emphasize try, and try and recount the blessings of God and wouldn't have enough time. Okay, and so there's only one right response to that, is to love him with everything in me. Because he's been that good to me. He's been that good to us. But in chapter 7, God began dealing with them with respect to the difference between them and the world. In God's eyes, Israel was to be different from the Egyptians. And they were to be different from the people in the land that they were about to possess. But here was the issue for them and us today. Israel had to do the math on that. Uh, they had to process that. They had to agree with God on that. And so must we. We are different from this world. And we are to be unapologetic about it. We don't apologize for being who we are in Jesus Christ. We don't apologize for being uncommon. We don't apologize for being peculiar. It's who we are in Christ. And that's okay to the glory of God. But here's how chapter 7 begins. To get some context, we're going to read the first five verses. Verse 1 says, When the Lord thy God shall bring thee into the land whither thou goest to possess it, and hath cast out many nations before thee, the Hittites and the Girgashites and the Amorites, and the Canaanites, and the Perizzites, and the Hivites, and the Jebusites, seven nations greater and mightier than thou. And when the Lord thy God shall deliver them before thee, thou shalt smite them, and utterly destroy them. Thou shalt make no covenant with them, nor show mercy unto them, neither shalt thou make marriages with them. Thy daughter, shalt, thy daughter thou shalt not give unto his son, nor his daughter, shalt thou take unto thy son, for they will turn away thy son from following me, that they may serve other gods. So will the anger of the Lord be kindled against you, and destroy thee suddenly. But thus shall ye deal with them. Ye shall destroy their altars, and break down their images, and cut down their groves, and burn their graven images with fire. God's grace could not be more evident in these opening verses. There were seven nations greater and mightier than Israel, but they weren't greater and mightier than God. This is God's grace at its best because this is what it does, right? It does what we can't do ourselves. It overcomes what we can't overcome ourselves, right? That's the grace of God. You see it here. However, as we've said, there is always a right response to that. Because after God would dispose of those nations, 
Israel had to agree with him not to become like those nations. And the reason for that is found in Deuteronomy 7, verse 6, where we've been these last two days. For thou art an holy people unto the Lord thy God. The Lord thy God hath chosen thee to be a special people unto himself above all people that are upon the face of the earth. A key for Israel to understand and live their victory, or to live in victory, was that they had to properly understand their separation. God declared them holy. Uh, They had been set apart and made clean by him. It's what he does. He's the only one who can do it. They were set apart by God. They were set apart to God, and they were set apart for God. That's how it works. That's our separation. That's you and I. Not only were they set apart, but they were set abnormally. God chose them to be a special people unto himself. And as we discussed over these last few days, as much as God chose them, they had to choose God. Okay, we have to understand that. Man always has to willingly respond to the grace of God. And you see their response in Exodus 19 and verse 8, where they officially became his people. But that word special that we find here in verse 6 is also translated as peculiar in the book of Deuteronomy. They were, we are, to be a peculiar people. And we define that. I love the definition of that because I think it absolutely captures what we ought to be about and how uncommon we ought to be, but it means being beyond usual. I love it, being beyond usual. That's who we are in Jesus Christ. We're not usual. We're not normal. We've been set abnormally, being beyond usual. But here's the key point. We have to understand When we're having a discussion about holiness, we have to understand that it is not normal. It's not normal. Holiness is, listen, it's not normal to my flesh. It's not normal. It's not normal to the world, and it's certainly not normal to the devil. Especially in this country. Believers in this church age are struggling with this issue of holiness because they're trying to be holy as he is holy, however, at the same time, trying to be normal. So, I, I, yeah, I, I hear what the Bible says. I'm to be holy because he is holy, but I'm going to somehow achieve that by being like the world. I'm going to be normal in how I think. Normal in how I speak, normal in how I act, and somehow that's going to allow me to land in that place. Uh, Jesus was anything but normal. So we spent time looking at that. But this morning our focus is to finish the rest of the verse of chapter 7 and verse 6. And it has somewhat of a crescendo effect in terms of of, of how it closes. For thou art an holy people, verse 6, unto the Lord thy God. The Lord thy God hath chosen thee to be a special people unto himself above all people that are upon the face of the earth. 
above all people that are upon the face of the earth. As his people, not only was Israel special to God, they were above all people that were upon the face of the earth. And setting them apart from the world unto himself, God elevated them above the world. So they were set apart. They were set abnormally, but they were also set above. Now, as we begin to narrow the focus this morning, here's the point. And this is very, very important. What God was after, what God desired for them, what he wanted was he wanted their walk to match their placement. That's what he wanted. God knew how he had placed them. He had, pla- he had set them above. But God says, my heart, my desire is that your walk before me, your walk in this world, for my glory, I want that to match how I placed you. And that's where we've been this entire weekend in our conversation on being uncommon. They were above all the people that were upon the face of the earth, and so their walk was not to look like theirs. We, too, are set above. We are set above, are we not? Paul made that clear for us in Ephesians 2, 6. He said, and hath raised us up together... And made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That's where we are positionally. I mean, praise the Lord, we are physically sitting here in New Philadelphia, Ohio at First Baptist Church. But as believers in Jesus Christ, we're seated up there. Praise the Lord. Uh, Philippians 3 verse 20 for our conversation is in heaven. From whence, we all, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. We are citizens of heaven. That's where we are. And so like Israel, our walk needs to match our placement. That is, our walk must be heavenly, not earthly. That's what God wants. But that was Israel's battle, and it certainly is ours. Because what they did is, unfortunately, something that in this dispensation, we just seem to keep repeating, which is living beneath our placement. Everything I've said so far, biblically, is true in terms of who we are, We are set apart. We are set up normally. We are set above. But too often, too many times, our lives tell a different story. We find Israel time and time again in bondage to the nations that they were actually above. Tragic. But from the beginning, we see that this has always been God's plan for his people. God's plan for his people has always been that we live above this world. Genesis 1:28, and God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion. 
over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. God set Adam and Eve above everything that he had created in his creation. And they were to have dominion. They were to thrive and they were to win in God's creation. They were not to lose. They were not to taste defeat. They weren't to even struggle. They weren't to be dominated by anything. But what led them to live beneath their placement was their disobedience to God's word. Listen, it's, it's really simple. It's really, really simple. If you want to win and thrive with God, obedience is everything. It, it just is. I mean, I, I, I tell them, I mean, my kids know. Like, listen, we... We love our children, we thank God for them, but listen, life literally is downhill for them when they're obedient. Do you understand what I am moved to do, what I desire to do, what I'm willing to do when they are obedient? Almost anything. <laughs> I want to bless them. I, want, I mean, life is good when we're good. In Deuteronomy 28, it's that climactic chapter in the book, and it's one of the greatest chapters in all of the Bible. In this chapter, God seems to be bending over backwards to show them how phenomenal, how incredible, how exciting, how terrific, how fantastic, how exhilarating. Life would be for them if they obey him. I mean, God is basically saying, guys, why would you do anything different? Do you understand what will happen? Do you understand what will come with you keeping my word? You can't believe how wonderful it will be. I mean, Deuteronomy 28, it's, it's phenomenal. As you read through the chapter, a truth becomes abundantly clear. God wanted them, and God wants us to win big. He wants you to win big. God wants you to experience the Christian life as he intended. This is why Jesus talked about having life and having it more abundant. I mean, it, it, this is what God wants. God doesn't want you to struggle. God doesn't want you to fail as a Christian. God doesn't want it to be uphill and drudgery and misery and defeat. I mean, that's, again, that's why God gives us Deuteronomy 28. When believers live beneath their placement, I've heard it and I've seen it, and, and, and they, they, they don't come out and say it directly, but, but, but you can kind of read between the lines, and, and it's kind of like, well, what, what's God's problem? Like, man, I'm just struggling, depressed, or frustrated, or empty, or where's God's blessings? And it's, I mean, it's, it's almost like God's against me. Like he did with Adam and Israel, God has given you everything you need to live above addiction, to live above depression, to live above anger. To live above loneliness. 
God has given you everything you need to live above all the things that the world beneath you can't get past. As a matter of fact, what we're going to see in Deuteronomy 28, because of Israel's special relationship with God, winning big was their right as God's special children. Look at verse 13 in Deuteronomy 28. And the Lord shall make thee the head and not the tail. And thou shalt be above only. Thou shalt be above only. This is what I'm saying. was their rightful place. Because it's what God said. God says your rightful place is not to be beneath. It's not to be the tail. It's not to be below. I mean above only. It's it. You are to win. You are to thrive. I've set you above for my glory. And thou shalt not be beneath, if that thou hearken unto the commandments of the Lord thy God, which I command thee this day, to observe and to do them. Think God won in the wind? Absolutely. Guess what? That dreadful cycle that we find them in, in the book of Judges, one of the most depressing books in the Bible, was never to happen. That was never to happen. Because that was beneath. Them falling to the Assyrians and the Babylonians, that was to never happen. Because they were to be the head, not the tail. They weren't to be in bondage to them. The rest of verse 13 tells us why it happened. They didn't keep God's word. That's why it happened, and that's why it happens. I'm certain you can look at your life as I can look at my life and see there were things that happened in my life because I was living, because you were living beneath the standard of God's word. And the time remaining, if we are to have our life match our placement, a few things have to be true with us. The first one is God's word must be holy. We've been talking about being set apart all weekend. So God's word must be set apart. It, it really must be what it says on your cover, Holy Bible. <laughs> it really needs to be the Holy Bible to you. It's got to be set apart. Uh, Psalm 138 Verse 1, I will praise thee with my whole heart. Before the gods will I sing praise unto thee. I will worship toward thy holy temple and praise thy name for thy loving kindness and for thy truth. Now watch it. For thou has magnified thy word above all thy name. Above. Above his name. God set his word apart in a very special way. So if God has set his word apart, if God has set it above, then we'd better. It's got to be set apart. It's got to be set above. It must be holy to me. It must be my greatest love and treasure. 
Israel blew it time and time again because God's word was unholy to them. It wasn't set above, it was beneath. While we are sanctified in Christ, if we're honest, walking in this thing of personal holiness, we not only do we struggle with it, but, but in, 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 the, in the recesses of our heart, we, we say, well, God, I, I just think this is just, it's unrealistic. I, I think what you're asking or what you're demanding to be holy because you're holy, I mean, God, really, who can be that? I mean, do you really think that I can think like that, speak like that, and ultimately walk like that? I mean, come on, God. I'm, we're just people here. You know, you and I would have a point, except the problem is, is God has indwelt us with himself. So, uh, sorry. <laughs> yeah, if we, if we didn't have the indwelling of a God's spirit, then yeah, we'd have a case. But we've got, listen, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, where is it? It's in us. We can, not can't. We can do all things. Amen? Without him, we can do nothing, but with him, we can do all things, right? So, no, God's asking too much. It's not unrealistic. Here's what it comes down to, is what it came down to with Israel. Would you look in verse uh, 9 of, of chapter 28? The Lord shall establish thee and holy people unto himself, as he hath sworn unto thee, if thou shalt keep the commandments of the Lord thy God and walk in his ways. This is one of the most essential verses in the word of God for the believer with respect to to being holy as he is holy. Remember what he said back in chapter 7 and verse 6? He says what? Thou art an holy people. That's what he said. But here it says, The Lord shall establish thee and holy people unto himself. See, it's a contradiction. No, it's not at all. They were holy. God did that. God declared that but them being established in that, based on this verse, came down to what they did with his word. That's the key. No, we are holy. But being holy, being established in that holiness, it comes down to our obedience or disobedience. This is what I'm saying. It's not some unrealistic standard. God isn't out of touch. God isn't being unfair or none of that. God is saying you are walking in holiness based on what you're doing with my word. Because when we set the word of God apart as holy, we will obey it. And I'm telling you, you may be struggling this morning, you may be frustrated, but I promise you, God wants you to win big. But you cannot win. I cannot win apart from obedience. It's everything with God. It establishes holiness in us. Point B, not only must God's word be holy, our walk must be holy. I've been reading through Deuteronomy, 
and I'm just saying right now it's my favorite book. It's, you can get rid of the whole Bible, just give me Deuteronomy, right? It's like, uh, no, <laughs> that's heresy, bro, stop. Okay, all right, so I'm just saying, I, I love the book. I'm a fan of the book, man. And uh, in, in chapter 23, in verses 9 through 14, God began dealing with them on the issue of personal cleanliness. I got to verse 14, and uh, God really said, okay, let's, let's stop here and let's hang out for a while. I want you to meditate on this. I want you to pray on this. As a matter of fact, don't even concern yourself with reading anything for the next couple of days. I, I want this to be on your heart and in your mind. I want this to be in your mouth in terms of when you talk to me. Because I, I, I want to, I've got some business to do here with you. Verse 14, for the Lord thy God walketh in the midst of thy camp to deliver thee and to give up thine enemies before thee. Therefore shall thy camp be holy, that he see no unclean thing in thee and turn away from thee. Once again, they're on the cusp of entering the land and, and, and experiencing and receiving God's promise. God is saying, hey, I'm getting ready to move. I'm getting ready to do something that you can't do on your own. Remember, these are nations that are greater and mightier than you. But God says, I'll tell you what, um, before I do that, this place needs to be clean. Here's what God made crystal clear to me, and I would assume you as well. There are some things that God is simply not going to do in my life and in your life because of the uncleanliness of our lives. It's just not. It's not that God can't move or he's unwilling to move. To, to, to do what only he can do, to, to, to accomplish what you can't accomplish. So I, God says, no, I, no, 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 no. It's just, you're blocking it. Some of us this morning are so frustrated, disappointed. Where did God go? Does he really love me? Has he forgotten me? Is he hearing my prayers? I'm crying out. Lord, look at my situation. You know what I'm going through, what I'm facing, what I'm dealing with? I mean, I, I read, and supposedly you're this great God, you're omnipotent and almighty and great and all of that, but can I see some of that in my life? Can you flex your muscles for me, please? God says, I'd love to. But I'm not, and I won't until you deal with that. God says, as soon as you deal, listen, guys, I am telling you, I have seen God move for his glory and for my blessing. I've seen God move when I have put obedience to his word. When I've dealt with the uncleanliness in my life, it's like, oh, what was I thinking? I should have got this right a long time ago. God says, yeah. Yeah, sure, absolutely. Obviously, there was and is a corporate focus in this verse. With that said, 
Here's the deal. There are some things that God is not going to do in this church as long as there is sin in this church. Anybody remember Achan back in Joshua? You know one of the things that has just absolutely just like, I mean, it just messes me up. The principle goes like this. Sin may take place on an individual level, but the results are always collective. And there have been times where I wish that were not true. I wish that my sin could just be between me and God and not affect anybody else. Here's where I'm going. There have been times where I have watched my family be inconvenienced, set back, deprived of a blessing because of me. God says, you brought this on them. Sin is never just between you and God and the devil. It always has a ripple effect. I want to share a story with you. Some of you may have heard of him. A man by the name of of Hanley Page. He was a British aircraft designer from many years ago, and he was a, a pioneer in aviation. And so while traveling once, he, he lands on this isolated island. And unknown to him, <laughs> while the plane was grounded, a rat found its way on the plane. And so during his next uh, leg of travel, while he's flying, he hears this, this very sickening, gnawing sound. And then it registers. That's got to be a rat. And not only does it register, now his heart begins to pound because he realizes if, if a rat is gnawing on these wires, uh, that could be catastrophic to this plane. And so, of course, he begins to to race to think about, okay, how do I fix this? What do I do? And then it clicks. Oh, wait a minute. I, I remember reading once that rats can't survive at a high altitude. So he begins to climb higher and higher and higher. And it gets to a point, and I totally get this now. I was in Malawi a few weeks ago, and it's high altitude up on the mountain. And there's times you're walking, and you're just like, <sighs> my goodness, I'm about to die, right? So he's having a hard time breathing. But he's like, but i got to keep going hard. I, I, I've got to, I've got to kill this rat. And so after a certain while, I mean, he's listening very intently. And then the gnawing stops. And he's like, okay, we're good. The reason that so many of us are struggling it's because we're living beneath where rats and things like that can live. Where they can gnaw at our life and they can bring destruction and they can keep us down. And listen, I'll be honest, I get it. Man, when, when, when you agree with God, obedience can not only be radical, but it can be hard to breathe. God, if I do this, 
God, if I end that relationship, God, if I really get serious about breaking this habit, Lord, if I, it's going to hurt me. Death is never easy, is it? But you know what the lie is? The lie is, is you can't breathe without this. You can't live without that. But Romans chapter 8 says that's a lie. You know why? Because Romans 8 tells us that we are no longer debtors to the flesh. So guess what? I don't owe my flesh anything. I don't owe it anger. I don't owe it depression. I don't owe it alcohol. I don't owe it pornography. I don't owe my flesh any of that. The flesh says, oh no, you do. You can't live without it. But the reality is, it's killing you. So God says, climb higher. God says, go higher. God says, live where I have placed you. Go to where you belong. And you know what that uncomfortableness is? I'm not sure that's a word, uncomfortableness, but it fit. Sorry. All right, for the moment. We'll, get, we'll work with it for now. Is that thing is dying. But you're actually living. If we're going to live above the things of this world and walk in holiness, our focus has to be beyond this world. You know what's crazy? Everything that God tells us to separate from, guess what? We have already risen above in Christ. We're already risen above. And this is where we close. Colossians 3, 1 and 2. If ye then be risen with Christ... Seek those things which are above. Where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God, set your affection on things above, not on things of the earth. That's it. Set your affection, seek where you've been placed, which is above. It's not down here. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for your word this morning.